Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. So, my dear ones, I hope you have been enjoying the past few interview segments that I've presented with Janet Williams. Part three of that interview will be coming up next week, but in the meantime, I wanted to spend a little time with one of the singers that we mentioned in the last episode, and that is the great French, well, soprano, mezzo-soprano, Falcon, Régine Crespin. You have just heard a live performance from November 11th, 1967 of Régine Crespin and John Wustman performing Je tremble en voyant ton visage, which is the third of Claude Debussy's cycle Le Promenoir des Deux Amants. I will read you my English translation of the original French which you just heard sung so beautifully by Crespin. I tremble when I see your face floating alongside my desires. I fear so much that my sighs might cause it to be shipwrecked. For fear of that misadventure, don't entrust all the treasures of nature so freely to that unstable element. Would you like, as a sweet privilege, to raise me above all other human beings? Let me drink from your cupped hands as long as the water doesn't melt their snow. 
I hope that gives you some sense of the beauty of the original poem by Tristan Lermite. I'd like to cover the whole gamut of her career, actually, which began in the 1950s and extended through the late 1980s, if I'm not mistaken. There's so much material out there because she was an extraordinarily versatile artist. I made a list about two miles long of things that I wanted to share with you. Clearly, that's not going to happen today. I think it's better to share complete excerpts rather than little snippets. So settle back and let me take you on this wonderful voyage of discovery into the magnificent voice and artistry of the unique Régine Crespin. Régine Crespin was born on the 23rd of February 1927 in Marseille. Originally, she intended to become a pharmacist, but because she didn't pass her baccalaureate, she decided that she was going to take voice lessons, something that she had wanted to do before but had been prevented from doing by her father. A few years later, she won a singing competition and then went to Paris to study at the conservatory. She studied with two teachers in particular, Suzanne Sebron-Vizère and Georges Jouat. Luckily, we actually have some documentation of those singers. We will begin with Suzanne Sebron-Vizère singing a short excerpt from Massenet's Sappho, the title role of which was created by Emma Calvé. This is an aria called Pendant un an, je fus ta femme. We shall hear a short excerpt from tenor Georges Jouat from Puccini's Manolesco, sung in French. This is Donna non vidi mai in the original Italian. Here he sings it as Ange, Sirene ou Femme, which I think is marvelous. Et me 
The tributes to Régine Crespin that followed her death on the 5th of July 2007, many writers cited her professional operatic debut as being in 1950 in Mulhouse in the role of Elsa in Wagner's Lohengrin, sung in French. However, it appears that she made her debut in either 1948 or 1949, it's not clear according to the sources that I can find, as Charlotte in Massenet's Vertier in the city of Rennes. This is particularly interesting for those of us who know something about Crespin's career because we always assume that, oh, Charlotte was a role that she took on after she had her vocal crisis and re-emerged as a mezzo-soprano. However, one must note that that not only did she make her debut in Rennes as Charlotte, but she also sang the role in Buenos Aires in 1965. She did not experience the most enormous success in Paris, however. She was invited to make her debut at the Opéra as Elsa following her performances in Mulhouse. However, it was not enormously successful. She also sang at the Opéra Comique in 1951, Tosca, and then Santuzza. She experienced her first enormous success when she sang the role of Desdemona at the Opéra in Paris in 1955 in French. And from those performances, we are very lucky to have documentation again. And I'm pleased to offer a portion of her performance of Desdemona from the last act of Otello, rather than playing the entire Air du Sol, as the Willow song is called in French. I'm just going to offer you the Ave Maria. It's Georges Sébastien conducting the forces of the Paris Opera. <laughs>
Regine Crespin did not sing an enormous amount of contemporary music, but she did participate in the French premiere of Poulenc's opera Les Dialogues des Carmélites in June 1957. The world premiere of the piece had taken place six months before at La Scala. Let's just compare and contrast the casting of these roles in these two different productions. The role of Blanche was sung by Virginia Zayani in Milano, by Denise Duval in Paris. The role of Madame Lidoine was taken by Leila Genser at La Scala and by Régine Crespin in Paris. The role of Madame de Croissy, the old prioress, was taken by Gianna Pederzini in Milano and by Denise Charlie in Paris. And the role of Mother Marie was taken by Gigliola Frazzoni at La Scala and by Rita Gore in Paris. One should note that at the world premiere at La Scala, the opera was sung in Italian. Poulenc had expressed a preference that the opera be performed in the language of the country in which it was being played. This preference has not been consistently adhered to in the years since, and frankly, I do find that because of the quintessential way in which the French language is set, that when the opera is done in translation, it does lose some of its musical impact, in my opinion. I'm going to offer a short excerpt from the prison scene from the world premiere commercial recording with the previously mentioned French cast. Régine Crespin sings the role of the new prioress. The nuns in prison have just received their sentence of death and Madame Lidoine places her blessing upon all of them. Thank you. 
Crespin became increasingly known for her Wagner roles. In 1958, Wieland Wagner hired her to sing Kundry at the Bayreuth Festival. She also sang the role of Sieglinde there a number of years later. Crespin is probably the greatest exponent of the role of Sieglinde since the days of Lotte Lehmann, which is really saying something. Another Wagner role in which she was less celebrated, but nevertheless incredibly dynamic, was Azenta in Der Fliegende Holländer. Today, instead of offering you something of her Kundry or her Sieglinde or one of her other Wagner parts, I'm going to offer you Zenta's ballad from Der Fliegende Holländer. those of you who know the piece well, I hope you will forgive me for that judicious cut that I made. I'm doing it merely for time considerations. You can find the entire performance of the ballad linked on the show notes page at countermelodypodcast.com. Another German role, which Crespin took on less frequently, but in which nonetheless she excelled, was the title role, if you will, in Beethoven's Fidelio. 
As you know, the Abscheuliche is a very long scene, but I'm going to offer you at least a portion of that. I shall post the complete performance of the aria on the show notes page. So if you want to hear the whole thing, please, by all means, visit the show notes page at countermelodypodcast, one word, dot com. Meanwhile, here's a snippet of Regine doing Fidelio. Jean Crespin also sang a certain amount of Italian opera. One role for which she was particularly celebrated was Amelia in Ballo in Maschera, which she sang at the Metropolitan Opera, opposite Carlo Bergonzi, and also on a television appearance on the Bell Telephone Hour in 1964, opposite Franco Corelli, who never actually sang the role of Riccardo So it's interesting to see the two of them there. I'll offer you an excerpt from that telecast of the Act Two duet from Bambo. Sacro il cuore, 
Italian role for which Crespin was celebrated was Tosca. This is a role that she sang for the first time in Paris at the Opéra Comique in 1951, and from thence the world over. I'm going to offer you an excerpt from her 1962 performance opposite Gianni Raimondi in Buenos Aires, where she was a particular favorite. This is from the third act, when she describes giving Scarpia the coup de grâce. It's very exciting the way she nails that high C. Interestingly, she never quite got Visidarte under her belt. It was a very difficult thing for her to manage the diminuendo off of the high B-flat, so it's much more gratifying to listen to this Act 3 clip. It just so happens that the day that I am recording this episode, November 19th, 2019, it is exactly 57 years since the Metropolitan Opera debut of Régine Crespin singing the role of the Marshalin in Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier. In my opinion, this is Crespin's greatest role. She sang it many, many times, and as she herself remarked, it was a sort of calling card for her because she made her debut at so many different houses singing this particular role. Covent Garden, Glyndebourne, The Met, I know there were several others as well. The woman who directed her at The Met was none other than the great Lotte Lehmann, who I have mentioned before on this podcast and who I mentioned just earlier in this very episode. 
as having been the greatest Zieglinde probably in the history of the opera, with Crespin, in my opinion, a close second. I was reading something the other day about someone pontificating about the fact that Lehmann did not like Crespin and that the two of them did not get along when they were working at the Met. This is simply untrue, okay? When Lehmann did not enjoy working with someone, as with Hertha Töpper, who was the Octavian, she made no bones about telling about it, as she does in her book Five Operas and Richard Strauss. About Crespin, however, she said the following. Never did I hear the beginning of the trio in the last act sung so divinely, with the most tender of pianissimos, almost unearthly in its silvery beauty. To work with that great artist was sheer joy from beginning to end, and I venture to believe that my feelings of profound personal friendship for her are mutual. My own Marshallin may have been somewhat less sentimental in the first act, but this genuinely felt sentimentality is part of Régine's being and should not be tampered with. Crispin made a very famous recording with Georg Scholte of the Marshallin in, I think it was in 1968, released in 1969. By then she was beginning to exhibit some of the vocal problems that began to plague her around the time that she sang Brunhilde in Die Walküre for Herbert von Karajan. I'm thrilled to offer you three different clips of Crespin's Marshallin from three separate performances. The first is the Marshallin's first act monologue from the very Met production that we were talking about. This recording is, I believe, from the 22nd of December 1962, and Lauren Marcel is conducting the forces of the Metropolitan Opera. <laughs> Was for a 
next example that I'm going to play for you is the very end of Act One. This was a concert performance from 1962 that was done for the RTF, Radio Télévision Française, with Louis de Fromont conducting, and also the Octavian here is the wonderful French soprano slash mezzo-soprano, Suzanne Sarroca.
Finally, I'm going to offer you the trio as it was done at Gleinborn on the 7th of June, 1959. Leopold Ludwig is conducting and Regine Crossman is the marshal and she is joined by two of the greatest exponents of their respective roles ever. Anneliese Rotenberger, second only to Hilde Güden in the role of Sophie and Elisabeth Söderström, who had graduated from the role of Sophie herself and went on to sing one of the greatest Marshallans since Crespin. And I was privileged to actually see her perform it on the Metropolitan Opera Tour, something that I will never forget. Here are Crespin, Söderström and Rotenberger singing the trio from the third act of Der Rosenkavalier.
we have arrived at what is going to have to be the end of the episode, and I haven't even begun to touch on her French repertoire. The Marshallin' may have been her greatest role, but certainly her greatest body of work is represented in the French repertoire. I think that's a fair statement to make. We're quite simply going to have to revisit Régine Crespin at some point, maybe before the end of the year, maybe early in the new year, I'm not sure. But really, there's so much more to be listened to and indulged in to give ourselves that wonderful oral experience of bathing in the voice of Régine Crespin. So to send you off, I am going to, I think... Just play you one thing. Toward the end of her career, Crespin began to sing more operetta, in particular Offenbach, but other things as well. And she had a wonderful recording from, I think it's 1971, called Prima Donna in Paris, which was accompanied rather anomalously, perhaps, by the Wiener Volksoper Orchestra. <laughs> so even if it was recorded in Vienna, this was distinctly a very French prima donna. Anyway, it was a two LP set. The second LP was all of French operetta. And there is a particularly delicious number there from Oscar Strauss's Les Trois Valses, and it's called Je ne suis pas ce que l'on pense. I'm not what people think I am. I'm not who they say I am. She's absolutely insouciante. It's delicious. It's Régine Crespin. I can't even remember the first time I ever heard her, but I know that I was madly in love with this voice from the moment I heard it. Que voulez-vous s'être par mon courage dois changer mes habitudes car malgré soi pour s'imposer il faut savoir se Thank you.
Je ne suis pas ce que l'on pense Je ne suis pas ce que l'on dit particularly love in closing is to note that she was a teacher and a wonderful influence on my dear friend Janet Williams, to whom we will be returning next week. And I'm happy to say that Régine Crespin will be putting in a guest appearance on that episode as well. Thank you to Alan Segal for the musical underscoring and to my producer Steve Robinson for his invaluable assistance in getting this podcast out to you, my dear listeners, to whom I also extend my deepest gratitude. I look forward to spending time with you again next week. Until then, my friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.